Nineworks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. Nineworks Radio is brought to you by nineworks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Nineworks Radio is presented by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks with special input from friends and experts around the industry, as well as you, our valued listeners. Enjoy the episode. Hey, listeners, welcome back to Nineworks Radio. Yes, welcome, listeners. Thank you for joining us once again to what will be another awesome episode of Nineworks Radio. So we're very much water-cooled this episode, Andy. Unfortunately for you, my friend. Shall I step out the door now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you what, there's only one thing cooler than water-cooled 911s, and that is modified water called 911 so we've Good got a, yes exactly that thought long and hard about that <laughs> uh, but we have uh, mr greg daly uh, who is a director at rpm technic the tring based porsche specialists um i've worked with these guys for a number of years now really really rate what they do also rate them as well as people and as well as their like stellar sales and showroom side of things, they also have, um, and for a number of years now, have dabbled in modifying 911s with their like special projects division. Yeah. Um, and born of that has been the CSR program, which is uh, heavily weighted towards 996 and 997s. Okay. They have been fettling, particularly 996s, long before they kind of got back in vogue so they've really been trailblazers for that and making that 996 platform even better uh same with 997s and then latterly the guys have got involved with manti racing and that is obviously with regards to the 991 generation as well as 981 generation gt cars really interested to hear about the matto racing uh connection um because i i guess i've heard of matt Manti Racing, but not really known much about them. Um, but there's been a great series on by Misha from um, the Apex um, yeah. group, um, dabbling around with the 993, and Manti have done all the all the prep for that. Um, and that's yeah, it's well, it's, it just looks an epic car. Um, so really interested to hear what their story is because I'm not fully aware of it. So yeah, looking forward to that. I think so. And I think that's an idea perhaps for a future episode or next series is to have a look at the Manti racing story. I'm sure Greg's going to fill us in shortly on, on, on a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, go a bit deeper. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. It's, you know, it's, it, it's rare for Porsche to sit so close to an independent kind of company. And in yeah. actual fact, these days, Porsche owns a bit of Manti. Is it so 51% or something like that? I think it could be, it could be. Oh, um, yeah. So it's, yeah. A, it's a fantastic endorsement to the work that Manti do. And again, with RPM, it, it it's, it's brilliant for them and it's a bit Absolutely, of a coup, yeah. I think, for, for a UK company to have such an awesome link there. Yeah. Yeah. So RPM Technic, obviously, they're well known with their sales and servicing side of things, uh, which is yeah. perhaps their bread and butter side of the business. Um, but RPM have a real kind of interest and commitment to engineering as well. And I think yeah. that feeds nicely into a Manti and where the company's kind of going with that side of things these days. But again, also CSR, that CSR platform, that modified 996 and 997 platform, they're renowned for it now. So it'd be nice to dive into the origins of that and also where it's going because I yeah, think where that's, it's going, yeah. yeah, that's just yeah. as exciting to me as, as the Manti stuff as a 996 owner. I'm yeah. sure that'll resonate with listeners as well. So, so haven't you got a couple of bits on your car uh, i have I yes 
definitely the ducktail spoiler yeah the the, the carbon ducktail is csr uh, my single mass flywheel is csr oh, okay. yeah um as well so they do on on top of like the um aftermarket kind of parts which i obviously rate highly um they have like a numbered kind of production run of like CSR build. So we'll kind yeah. of, we'll find out a little bit more about what's the difference between like a genuine CSR car or, yeah. or say just versus something like mine, which just has a few bits on. Bit so, on yeah. yeah. So Excellent. let's, um, yeah, let's bring on Greg Daly and dive in. I'm really looking forward to this chat and I hope you guys at home listening are going to be pretty, uh, pretty impressed with it as well. Greg Daly from RPM Technic. Welcome, good sir, to Nine Works Radio. Yes, morning, Lee. Thank you for having me, and uh, congrats on the uh, the Nineworks project. It's flourishing. Right, thank you. We are so chuffed that you guys are founding partners. That that genuinely means a lot to me personally. So, yeah, I feel like a, a catch up via this medium has been long overdue, Greg, because lots has been going on at RPM, particularly over the last couple of years. So, um, you've you've been very busy. Yes, yeah. I mean, outside of obviously the, the world of Porsche, there's been plenty going on, which has had. Uh, different effects on what we've done and you know pretty much all positive to be perfectly honest but um yeah our, our business is obviously uh for specialists but uh 20th year this year which is uh something we're really proud of achieving it's fantastic um, when's the party um well you just missed it i'm afraid oh <laughs> what did you get an invite <laughs> oh, it's, it was uh it was in the uh post yeah no we, uh, we did uh a, a pretty uh, impromptu one actually we were, we were wanting to go to Le Mans classic uh yeah. obviously that got uh, delayed again um so we did a uh sort of a little five-day trip away to europe we did um zolda spa uh uh, a few beers in the Nürburgring, so uh, <laughs> it was it was toasted, but uh, not not quite in the fashion that we had in mind. But uh, oh, that's, that but sounds yeah. like a great celebration. I was going to say, I, I like how you um, posed that as a, just a little trip away. You know, Zolder Spa and the Nürburgring. It's not a bad little <laughs> sojourn into Europe, is it? So <laughs> yeah, it, you know what? It's one of those things actually that it's only when you get back after doing, and I'm sure you're the same, Lee, when you do these sort of fun European trips, is you get back and. You get ten minutes to yourself, and you go, "Oh man, that's yeah. that's what it's about. That's why we yeah. do the job." Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes when you're in the moment, you never really. Oh, yeah, it's all a bit. It's doing. all a bit nuts and crazy, isn't it? And then you sort of exactly. Oh yeah, God, we actually did that. Yeah, <laughs> it just no, happened exactly. so quickly. And we still get it now. Where ten years later, someone will rock up to us and go, "Do you remember me? You lent me a half a, a liter of oil at Spa, like yeah, ten years ago." And we're like, "Oh." <laughs> but, you, know, you, you make some really good friends out there so no it was good it was it was a good little trip um and uh yeah well i'm sure we'll touch on some of the bits we got up to when we talk about manti stuff but uh but yeah to answer the question um it has been a busy sort of 24 months but also a positive one you know it's uh it's forced a lot of businesses to have a rethink of sort of the old-fashioned ways and do things a bit yeah. differently just like mine works you know it's 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 mm. everything's got to evolve 100%. So I think it's good to give uh, listeners a bit of a kind of a top level view of RPM Technic for those that don't know. So as you as you pointed out, the, the business has been going since 2001, uh, based mm-hmm. in Tring, Hertfordshire, I believe that is. Um, yep. Spearheaded by obviously yourself, we've got um, Darren Anderson, who's the uh, commercial director. And mm-hmm. the third director is Ollie Preston, who is uh, the technical director. Yes, yeah, it should be noted that Ollie, Ollie started the company, so uh, he's the uh, reason we're all uh, doing this. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Ollie, Ollie started off on his own after being uh, 
uh, a Porsche technician specialising in uh, air-cooled cars and um, decided he could do it himself. And yeah, yeah he set up one-man band and did really well, got a real sort of loyal client base together. And Darren was actually a client. Darren joined the, the team, um, sort of took it from a, a one-car operation to uh, a sort of one-car garage operation to a sort of four-car garage and then again, they roped me in. I was a client of theirs. Um, <laughs> and uh, they hoodwinked me in. And um, uh, also in love of 964s, actually. And yeah, I worked for Porsche at the time when I met them. And uh, they were just about to move into a new unit, which we've now, we keep calling it a new unit. We've been here 10 years, but um, <laughs> um, it's not that new. But uh, yeah, anyway, so we moved in here and it's, it's, you know, it's a dedicated facility for what we're doing. So yeah, that's twenty years in one sentence. <laughs> yeah, well, you've you've done ten years. You've, you'd have been at the business a decade next year. So, wow. Yeah, well, we both started in the Porsche world at the same time, didn't we? We did. Funny enough, Greg. Um, I don't know if you know this, but my one of my first jobs on Total Nine Eleven was um, I received a press release from RPM Technic stating oh. that uh, Greg Daly has you know started <laughs> at RPM Technic, and I I span it into a, um, it was only a. a a story in our a small story in our news page, I think. Small um, story. Well, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the director at the time <laughs> said it's not it's not quite big enough for cover. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was that was one of my my first jobs on Total Nine Eleven was kind of putting out to the world that you'd started at RPM. So you're right, there is a kind of a little bit of a synergy there, I think, just oh, in funny. terms of how long we've been uh, doing what we've been doing, really. Although, as you've kind of pointed out, you you've been in the industry a lot longer by virtue of your your stint at the kind of main portion network so yeah i think it will be 18 years next year doing this so i, re- I really should have concentrated better at school but um <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been it's been fun and we've met some interesting people along the way but uh but yeah so my background's in sales darren's background's actually in engineering and, and ollie's background is uh, being porsche engineer itself so yeah good yeah. good sort of trio to, to do what we're doing yeah just good as coverage as a- it is just as a very quick aside. So where you were, um, you were in the kind of main dealer network now, and now you're obviously one of the UK's leading um, independent specialists. You know, what, what's your, the, the OPC v independent specialist debate just rages on forever. Like what's your take on it in terms of having worked at both, you know, like obviously there are pros and cons to both, but like what's, what's your kind of take on it from an, like an employee perspective? That's an interesting question. Um, I think, and rightly so, from a, a main dealer point of view, Porsche have um, very good training and processes that uh, they have to have everyone to adhere to, to give the same experience to each client that walks through the door. And, you know, selling new cars is a very different process to selling used cars with, you know, delivery times, quotas, all, all sorts of things like that. Um and you know, within the guidelines that they set, it's it's a nice environment. You dealing with the best, we think, obviously the best product out there. Only limitation from a, an employee's point of view and the sales side of things was was actually getting stock. Um, and what we tend to found, don't get me wrong, this was you know, eleven years ago that I worked for Porsche, was that um, some of the lads that had been there for a long time, but obviously have that client base of repeat custom they'd get the first orders so if each dealership got i don't know let's say it was 40 911 slots every year as a new sales guy coming in it was actually really hard because mm. these older guys usually older um had already <laughs> you know got the deals done a year almost so it was, yeah. it was actually quite hard to get into whereas 
the used aspect of a main dealer was what I really liked because it was it was quick turn, the car's there, the client's here, let's have a chat, let's have a deal, let's you know, supply the car. Um, but Porsche's guidelines on on providing you know used cars to the market do cost them a lot of money. Um, the warranties are expensive. They're obviously their labor rate is far higher than most independents. Um, so what they can and can't sell is is hard for them. Uh, so translating that to what I do and you know the other guys in the specialist world do is that we can still prep the cars to the same degree and sometimes in, in some cases higher. Because we've got a, a lower labour rate, and you know we're just we're a smaller business, we can we're a bit more dynamic, and it's it's not a, a negative to the, the you know the OPC lads. It's it's fact, and I'm sure if you probably had a chat with them, they'd say that's where their kind of their limitation is. But um, we're then stuck. You know we can't we can't sell brand new cars. Um, we do sell sometimes cars that are a few days old, which I'm sure they. Uh, are thrilled about, <laughs> but, but you know there, there is space for everyone. But I guess from personally, from my point of view, it, it's with the uh, the independent world is a bit more fast flowing, exciting. From as I say, from, from my point of view, um, and you know you get a wider selection of, of cars come through. So yeah, both have pluses and minuses. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a, there's a place for for all of the different types, isn't there? Because there's yeah. there's there's different types of product as in you know the the garages the 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 sales places and then there's a different framework of customers as well that want different things and Absolutely. it's about matching the right customer to the right product yeah no and so I there think is sometimes yeah no i totally agree and sometimes i think when you know you're having a chat in the pub with someone and they ask the similar sort of question they expect you to you know cut into main dealers but as i say listen without them we wouldn't be here and yeah. vice versa in some examples, not in terms of existence, but, you know, we help them, they help us. So, yeah, you know, we've not got big egos here. We, we like to do the job properly and um, hence 20 years of business, I think, proves that. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. I, I don't think there's, as you say, it's like one one is better than the other. I think it just comes down to what experience you want as an individual. And I think that Absolutely. is chiefly testament to um how hard the bar how high the bar has been set by some in the independent specialist network you know i would i would put rpm very much in that um mm. along with a couple of the other guys that we've got advertising cars on on the nine works classified so um yeah. i think again as as an enthusiast it just comes down to you know what what do you want from your experience whether it's sales servicing maintenance you know you have that kind of luxury of having the choice now between a really mm. good independent specialist um or a portion network or dealership yeah, and then if you know someone came in here and asked me, you know, the standard spec options on a take and cross Turismo 4S, I'd I'd be stuck. I'd be let's get a let's get a brochure out, buddy. <laughs> if you want to chat about setup and spec on your 901 RS for Spa, that you know, come here. Let's have a chat about that. So yeah, yeah it's as you say, there's everyone's got their little niche, and and I think there is space for everybody. You know, there's yeah. um, there's not too many sort of um people that jump on each other's toes so excellent i'm i'm really excited 
uh, Greg, to talk about the CSR program and, and obviously your Manti directive as well um, yeah. very shortly. But I think it's worth as well, obviously, that's one side of, of RPM Technic as a business. And the other side is very much the side that you kind of spearhead, which is that sales side. Um, mm. and, and there has been a little bit of a kind of a, a change, as you alluded to earlier on, um, just in terms of like the, the sort of cars that you have in. I mean, again, for example, my first test drive in the um, at Total 911, and again, this is going back very nearly 10 years, we did a, a 996C2 versus 3.2 Carrera because unbelievably mm-hmm. those cars were the same price. It was yeah. get, your, get, your, get your first 911 for £20,000. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh how well that, has changed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and to be honest, that, that 3.2 was mint as well. It was really nice. Um, Carrera was Carrera. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, red, red interior. Red interior. It, was, it was really, really nice example. It'd be worth a, um, a touch more than 20 grand now. Um, mm. But, you know, th- these days there's a real focus on like modern GT in your showroom, I think it's fair to say yeah i mean it's yeah we changed sort of the the type of car that we were selling um about three years ago and it's not through any lack of love for the older cars um it's more directed from what our clients were coming to us for um so we were obviously noticing a trend with the newer cars um that were gt related those cars were getting more inquiries and obviously a higher demand and it's kind of because our business is it's sort of threefold. You've got obviously the, the workshop and servicing and sales and then the restorations engine department uh, and gearboxes as well. And because a lot of our techs have, have raced all the way up to sort of um, well, what is now WEC level um, and we do a lot of track days, it kind of it just started to make more logic that, you know, we were supplying the cars that, we were servicing and we're servicing the cars that we're supplying. So, yeah. you know, it just sort of linked all together. But, you know, we do on the uh, other occasion have cars that are sort of on the outliers of that. Generally speaking, it's 10 years old, 60,000 miles. And, you know, that covers everything. C2, C2Ss, GTSs, turbos, uh, boxes, Caymans, you know, everything in between. Um, but, you know, where if there's something really nice or something that we know really well, um, you know, that will come in. So we just sold a beautiful 2.7 RS recreation that was made of many genuine 2.7 RS parts. And indeed, the reason that the gentleman bought the car was that he had an original one years ago, had to sell it for various reasons and particularly wanted uh, another one. Obviously, the prices have increased fairly since then. But not only was the car good, but from meeting Chris, who runs our air cool department, Chris has worked on Porsches longer than you and I have been alive, Lee. So, um, <laughs> you know, he had that confidence. Didn't include me in that. You <laughs> oh, it's, it's hard to judge on this call. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, he gave, uh, you know, his side of, you know, impartial advice on what the car was like, which married up with what I told him. And, you know, they, again, they, they mirror each other. But, yes, we used to sell a lot of 996s, um, and and three twos and nine six fours, but we were the cars. Unfortunately, or realistically, get to that point in their life where they start to get a bit older. The prices of them haven't increased massively, but the preparation costs get very very high. So yeah. as you're kind of in that sweep of their sort of uh, model life cycle, they're about as expensive as they get to prepare, but the prices don't quite keep up with it. And so unfortunately, we were just finding that we couldn't get the cars to the standard we wanted to and make them competitive and make a profit. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. a dirty word, but yeah. that's, that's why we're here. So we just had to take that sort of sensible view and, 
hey, it may well come back because as we can see, there's only one sort of trajectory petrol engine cars are going to go. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a nice kind of place to be. And I think where the, um, the GT cars in particular, they're almost kind of trailblazing the naturally aspirated internal combustion engine. Like n- nobody's yeah. making those engines anymore. Um, so they are very much that, you know, I think all, all Porsche sports cars garner an enthusiast following, but there's Mm. a real core among the GT guys and girls, you know? So I think it's great that you kind of recognize that and are very much kind of actively involved with, with the community in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I say, you know, if you go in the workshop at any one point in time, there's always a lovely blend of cars in there from, you know, 924s to 901 GT2 RSs. So you know, no, no one's uh, held at arm's length. We're just obviously more well known these days for the for the GT products. Yeah. It's almost like your customers have kind of grown up, and you've grown up with them in some ways. I think that's a really sort of succinct way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, we've got lads who I remember when I first started, and we you know supplied them with a nine four four track car, and these days those guys are running in GT two RSs. So yeah. absolutely, yeah, we could give so many examples, and I'm sure many other businesses could too. Okay. So look, with, with that in mind then, it'd be great to talk Manti because I think for any British business um, to have that association with such an esteemed concern that's based at the Nürburgring Nordschleife is, is huge. It's a huge coup. Um, yeah. So how did that come around, Greg? Um, uh, have you got a cup of tea? Are you sitting down? <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Um, <laughs> good. Um, no, so it, it was sort of, uh, that, that was uh, championed by Ollie, uh, my business partner. And um, yeah, and also, you know, the business supported it. So effectively, um, Michael Grassel, who's the sales manager for, for Manti, um, he was at KW Automotive, the German suspension supplier. And he was on, I think, on the sales side and also on the R&D test team. He's an exceptionally good driver. Um, and we've always used KW products, um, along with Olin's and other stuff. But KW have always been a, a favorite of ours. Yeah. And we've always been really big fans of um, you know, taking manufacturer or supplier training where possible. Usually it's outrageously expensive, but... Um, <laughs> you learn stuff which you, you're not going to learn from just reading the instructions. So yeah. um, Ollie's been really good with that and, you know, made the effort to go out and see Michael when he worked at KW and we sent various of our uh, various engineers out there. And so when Michael moved over to um, work for Manti uh, and head up the sales department there, obviously their friendship continued. And we got to that point with um, Porsche where we signed up as a Porsche partner network member. Um, so, it's a lovely sounding phrase what that actually yeah, means what does that is mean? that um because we use genuine porsche parts and we have done for well since day one um for all of the servicing items and bits and pieces um as the cars are evolving you know every car I mean, for the last 15 years has used you know, diagnostics equipment of some type but the way the cars are going you now need porsche owned equipment to do some yeah. of the service work on the cars so we have a kind of a mantra of borrow it once, buy it twice. You know, it's just, it, it, we need it to, to be a full, uh, forefront leader of uh, being a Porsche specialist. So we signed up to that a few years ago. So we've had the sort of the Porsche partner network membership. So, you know, being able to work on all the cars properly with factory support for diagnostics. We've got the sort of the relationship with, with Michael and Ollie. And then we've got engineers that joined us um, that have got Manti experience and then fourthly, you know, we've got the, the client base with the hardware that they're wanting upgrading. And so it came to a head where 
we had two gents that wanted a 2RS MR built and a 3RS MR built. So the investment into the man supply equipment was, was you know, fairly significant. You know, it was five figures. Um, and in turn, they sent over engineers to train our uh, technicians to uh, how to use the equipment, fit the kits and do the setup. So, um, you know, again, that sort of you know, two-minute explanation probably condenses about a six-year period. So it wasn't it wasn't easy. Um, and, you know, rightly so, they are um, very selective with who they use um, because Manti are actually owned by Porsche themselves. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, it's a, it was a massive plus for us. Um, but it, was, it, it didn't feel like we we're coming out of our comfort zone because, as you sort of said earlier, Lee, about the, the CSR program that we started, evolving adapting cars and now then working with lots more gt products and then working with the, the manti builds it, it wasn't like we went from step one to step 25 and yeah. didn't have the uh, you know the support in the business or the technical understanding of the middle bit to fill it all in yeah. so a natural progression yeah yeah, yeah. How has like the, the take up been amongst the the customer base? And the reason I ask is, and this was the absolute greatest respect to Manti. I mean, we as kind of enthusiasts are kind of well versed in their name. I kind of feel like Manti is a little bit like Roof, whereby if if you know of them, you have nothing but huge, you know, admiration and respect, and really kind of understand their stature in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's also possible to kind of not know a lot about them as well. Ah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, we've been, I don't know how many track days that we've done this year. It's got to be 15 or 20, but, um, you know, <laughs> the most um, commonly asked question in the first sort of half quarter of the season was, oh, that looks cool, is it? <laughs> um, that's even from track day goers. So, you know, if you went to a, you know, a club meet or, uh, you know, cars and coffee type event, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know them. And, um What's beautiful about selling their product is that it's a very easy conversation. 30 years of racing experience, Porsche-owned, manufacturer-tested, TUV-approved products. They've done it for you. And again, with the, you know, with the stats of uh, lap records that they've managed to achieve, the cars, you know, even before you sort of get involved in sitting inside one, you know, if you know your stuff on, on lap times, you're, you're kind of your interest is peaked. So, yeah, it it is a niche within the niche. Um, however, um, you know the lads and ladies that are looking for these sorts of cars, they're, they're already on that path. You know, it's yeah, not like yeah. we're getting them out of the Vauxhall Corsa. Is it possible to give us a little history on Manti then? So I don't know too much about them. It'd be nice to sort of fill yes. that gap. I'm sure our listeners would appreciate that as well. Yeah, so Manti were started, I think, in 96 by Olaf Manti. Um, and uh, he started racing, obviously, with Porsches. They also used um, uh, other manufacturers. I think they used Audis for a little bit as well. But um, they uh, had won quite a lot of uh, you know high-level races. And eventually, um, Olaf got to a point where he wanted to sell some of the business. Um so he sold it to uh, a, a pair of brothers called the Raider Brothers, um, and they um, carried on with the sort of the theme that, that Olaf had set, which was you know race on the weekend, sell on on Monday type thing. With they never were massive on on doing the upgrade parts, but nine nine sixes you will have probably seen if you ever heard of them. Some of the MR products they built for the nine nine sixes were really well received, and a lot of those nine nine six MRs are still getting 
pounded around today. You know, they're yeah. really well-built cars. Same with the sevens and obviously about the ones. Um, and I think Porsche probably always had an eye on, on what they were up to in terms of, you know, the way they conducted themselves, the, the, the technical competence and the quality of the products they were um, bringing to market. And so then Porsche uh, bought 51% share of them. Uh, so they're based just outside of the Nürburgring in Germany. Um, and they run um, some of the Porsche factory cars uh, all the way up to WEC level. And I mean, if you ever get the opportunity to go there, it's mind blowing. They've got a, a service center um, just off the roundabout Moose Park, I think it's pronounced. But it's, it's probably a tenth of the picture. You go into some of the lockups that they've got and we went there about three years ago in October and it probably had 35 cut cars all being prepped for the next season because yeah. when the GT4 RS is at GT4 club sport race cars had just came out. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, we, we kind of chuckle. They're like us turbocharged. They're just a few years ahead of us at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that. <laughs> There's, um, it's, I'd probably describe it as a bit of a marriage between kind of Porsche and Manti, uh, cause where you were talking about Olaf, obviously he won the, um, the Carrera cup or super cup as it was in yeah, 1990 okay. and, and things kind of went from there. And I remember when Porsche was kind of getting back into like, um, uh, top level GT racing at, at Le Mans, again nearly 10 years ago and Manti were heavily involved with that and there were times when they were running the cars underneath a Porsche name and whatnot Um, and then obviously with like the the road cars and and the GT2 RS MR which set the Nürburgring record and and beat kind of Porsche's own version of that car if you like Um, so it's it's quite nice I think that there's a manufacturer out there that Porsche is like really kind of actively engaged with Um, I know the kind of the philosophies of the company are very different, but if you think of the likes of TechArt, Gembala and others, you know, there's a plethora of, of tuning houses out there that Porsche has obviously chosen to not work with in the past. And again, as I say, I know, I know the philosophy and the setup and the engineering with Manti is on a different level to those guys. Um, but it's still, it's a, it's a third party that Porsche is actively engaged with. And as you said, Greg, you know, financially kind of involved with. And I think it's a real endorsement of those guys as a business. And that must be good for you as well, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think their notoriety is 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 improving sort of month on month almost. Um, and what we found was that obviously over years and years of fitting aftermarket parts, a lot of the time, even with the, the best of the stuff, you know, there might be some modification or there might be some extra labor involved that no one knew about to get something to fit whereas with porsche's involvement with the products that manti are producing you know everything is manufacturer grade fitment there is no messing about trying to you know jiggle this in there or sometimes if you put that bit you've got to put the other bit in first it just it fits and it it works really well um and you know, underlining their their sort of popularity is that in in Europe um, and across the UK, starting to in Europe, you have to go to an OPC to do the work that we're doing. Um, whereas in the UK, because we're outside of Europe now, um, <laughs> um, we we can we can still do these um, bits. So yeah, it's it's not like it's uh, uh, yeah aftermarket almost feels like cheapening it to a certain extent because it's it's recognized by porsche and porsche dealers now and you know it's, it's a sort of perfect little storm isn't it where people have heard about it oh the porsche dealer does it oh, okay so yeah it's gonna add, add to the car's value because 
sometimes, unfortunately, when you add, um, you know, extras or modify a used car um, or even a new car, um, it doesn't necessarily add a add a value to it. Whereas the the very unique thing about the the Manti products is that it doesn't invalidate your warranty. In fact, now they've just updated it. You can extend your warranty on the car even with Manti products on there. Um, and you know, from my aspect of the business of, of reselling them, um, you do get an uplift for it. So yeah. it's it's not obviously there's a cost to doing it, but there's there's very few downsides. Yeah, it's, there, there's a lot of times when you modify a car and that doesn't add value to the car, uh, where mm. I can see that if it's an MR car, then you're adding value, you know, definitely mm. not uh, taking value away. Yeah, yeah. And it's lovely. We get people who even contact us and they just want a badge on an MR sticker. You know, it's, <laughs> the, brand is, the brand is getting so strong now that, you know, it's lovely that, that people want that. But um, again, if someone's like, uh, who are Manti, what? Um, the, the premise of the upgrade kits on obviously these the 991 series, uh, 981 and 718 series of, of GT3s, 4s and 2s is that in a very simple sentence, it takes what is already a very, very competent, if not the most competent car out there for, for track days, um, and it makes the car easier to drive at the limit. Um, and what we find is that if we upgrade the suspension on a car or we do a full um, Manti conversion, the first thing people always say without a shadow of a doubt is, it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Mm. And I think there's a misconception as these things are running on the deck, you know, four degrees of camber, they're rock solid, and they're not a car that you'd want to drive unless you go into track. Whereas it, it, it couldn't be more different. You could drive that car every day. Uh, and that's what their design brief is that it's still got to do, you know, 320 kph on an autobahn, go to work, do a track day. So it's, it, it's although it's very focused, it's an all rounder as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Nice to get a bit of an inside line on, on how that kind of marries up in the real world as well, I have to say. Yeah. Um, mm. There's a little bit of a kind of community behind it as well. You know, we, we've seen that um, Manti does uh, like closed track days for, for um, enthusiasts and whatnot. So that must be quite nice. You know, you're not just kind of upgrading your car, you're kind of your, your investment as well as emotional and whatnot. It's you're becoming part of something, something a little bit bigger as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it really echoes what we did with the CSR brand, whereby we took a, um, you know, a C2 or a C2S 997, 996. Um, we addressed maybe some of the areas that were uh, weak on the car or aging um, and improved them to allow, you know, the guy that at that stage of our sort of lineage couldn't afford or get into a GT3 or maybe needed back seats to be able to take a C2 or an S and um, make it more focused. And those guys then turned into a bit of a community of chaps that owned them and, and ladies that owned them. Um, to the extent they've now even, it's kind of taken off from us. You know, there's a WhatsApp group with all the owners. I think there was 37 fully built cars um, and many, many cars that have had upgrades of CSR suspension and various parts. And, and those guys... Tells. Yes, duck dogs. <laughs> you in the group, uh, and, those guys, <laughs> <laughs> and those, those, you know, those guys have got a lovely community of their own doing road trips and stuff like that. And exactly the same thing with the Manti stuff is, 
you know, we went to Europe and bumped into some guys. Hey, I know you guys, you know, and it's, it, yeah, as you say, it's, yeah, maybe it's part of, you know, what's been happening over the last 24 months, but people just want to get out and enjoy and use their, their toys. And yeah. it's like the ultimate expression of that, really. I saw um, a, a friend of the podcast, Mike, Mike Wilds, um, mm. very smiley face. Uh, he was driving one, I think, last week. Uh, uh, Alton, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. He had a huge smile on his face in the picture I saw. <laughs> yes, yeah. And it's it's really nice, actually, because, you know, the couple that I've resold as, as used cars now, all three that we've sold as used cars now, you know, the first question of, is, is taken out of this uh, of the equation that is usually, is, is it been on track days? <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, because, you know, that's what they're designed and built for. And that, that is a little cultural change that we've noticed over the last sort of 24, 36 months is that people aren't afraid of driving them anymore. And, you know, yeah. okay, don't get me wrong if they've, gone from being 150 to 300k you know you, you've got to be pretty free thinking not to worry about it but you know as the price is sort of settled again people are like do you know what i bought this car it's designed to do a job let's go out and enjoy it for that job um and you know case in point with the, the gentleman that owns the green one that mike wilds was um driving um he gets out every single opportunity to, to enjoy the car excellent it's great as as you say i think carpe diem is very much kind of the mantra of the moment and and certainly mm. off the back of the past couple of years and and what you guys do feeds into that really um i think it's a really nice kind of segue into like csr uh, certainly yeah. as a as a 996 owner uh, my car has a couple of csr parts uh, on it mm-hmm. so i'm kind of yeah excited to kind of dive into that so i mean it's crazy to think that the csr program at rpm technic has been going for over a decade now Mm, yes yeah it, it sort of started just before my um uh involvement with the business um and again the, the basic premise of that if no one's ever heard of it is to take a standard Porsche if there is such a thing um and uh, modify it to be able to do you know light track work but to be able to be used every every day um and allow customer clients to make their cars bespoke um because when you look back through the history of Porsche you know, they, they've always built the cars to be able to be adapted to do hill climbs, yeah. you know, maybe not track days back in the days, but, you know, racing, clubman racing. So it's not like we're doing anything outside of what's always ever happened. Um, but what we did with the CSR that was different was that we were taking, um, at the time, very unloved 996s, which we've always and will continue to champion, Um and and we actually the first ever one we did was a nine eight six Boxster S. Um, so yeah, we're taking a, a standard car, you know, developing it to be able to be more competent. And really, with the our main focus is what what turns us on is, is ride and handling setup, because we've always kind of chuckled that you know we would say three hundred brakes all you need on the road, and yeah, you know, a lot absolutely. of people in this day and age with seven hundred horsepower estate cars and SUVs kind of scoff at that, but. We always say, well, how often are you using 98% of the performance of that car? Never. So if you can use, you know, most of the performance of your 300 brake car, but make it feel and handle nicely the sensation of speed, which is actually what you're looking for. You're not actually looking for speed when you dilute it all the way down. Yeah. Is, you're getting that in, in spades. Um, and, you know, at, at a lower price point to the Manti stuff, but, you know, that allowed us to, 
to get into the Manti stuff because it's, you know, the, the, the way you'd sell the product, you know, from taking the initial inquiry, you know, the very complex um, products that are there and how they work and what they're going to do. You know, there's very loads and loads of similarities between the, the two, but obviously with the, the Manti stuff just taken up to the point of being able to set international lap records. <laughs> <laughs> again, that's where the synergy kind of comes from, as you kind of rightly pointed out, Greg. And, you mm. know, again, the, the buzzword around the CSR program at, at RPM Technic was, you know, engineering uh, excellence, I think it was. Uh, exhilaration, yeah. E- engineering exhilaration, yeah. So, you know, and, and again, I think... Um, the engineering element of that, you know, the half of it I did get right, uh, is, you know, but that, that's the, that's the important bit, you know, and it's not yeah. just a case of bolting some parts on a car. They, they, these have been designed and engineered, you know, to, to do a specific job. And I think that's a key difference between perhaps what you guys are doing and have done for, for a few years now uh, mm. against rivals or, or other people out there. Yeah, and and very candidly, most of the time, not for any major financial gain. You know, to R and D a product, manufacture it, test it, and then sell it is is as anyone that's ever done that, whether it's you know a thimble or a car, it's a, a long, drawn out, expensive process. And I'm sure if we got some forensic accountants sit and look at the whole the whole project there that said you boys were better off just changing oil filters but that's not what makes us tick um, yeah yeah it's not what you enjoy is it no exactly and it's you know we're enthusiasts first and foremost rather than you know car dealers or anything else uh and we you know we love driving them at the weekends track days as much as anybody else so where a product was designed and developed it, it, it wasn't through um, anything superficial. It was because there wasn't a good product, in our opinion, that did that to the extent that we wanted it to. So, for example, the, the Ducktail one, we we sold them all over the world now, um, and they're made by a you know beautiful company in the UK, but beautiful manufacturer grade carbon, um, and they're expensive. You know, the amount of times people go, yeah, lo- lovely, I like that. Mate, but could you could you just make one out of plastic? And we're like. No, <laughs> it's, not, it's not what we want to, you know, it's not what we're all about. Um, so, yeah, whenever it came to um, building the CSRs, um, we, we would always get it that a lot of people would go, oh, it's quite, it's quite punchy. But, you know, if anyone's ever, you know, modified or built a race car or anything like that, they'll see, you know, you just, to do it properly, it costs. Yeah. Well, it's coming up with the recipe, isn't it? Um, I've yeah. been in, I've been in the situation where I fitted modifications many times. You know, you fit them. Uh, it's not quite right it doesn't do what i want it to do so you then go and buy the next modified uh, whatever it is like an engine mount let's say mm. and uh oh, yeah that doesn't work i need to tweak that i need to do something down here and it's about coming up with that recipe of the parts that work together to give you that final result it's very easy to just fit a load of new whiz, whiz bang stuff and it doesn't work as a package yeah, we used to get that all the time that um, uh, I've always refrained from going on forums. Um, yeah. But, you know, someone would send us a you know, screenshot of something and, oh, well, those CSRs, I could just buy all those bits and do it myself. And it made us chuckle because just that sentence on its own, you know, we realised they totally <laughs> missed the point. Because yeah. to get to that point of going items A, B, C and D work together yeah okay we you know if we were better yeah. um product sales people would have probably packaged it up differently but to get to that point of working that those five items worked 
took St. Lee together and gave the best experience. Probably took two or three years. Uh, yeah, and going, he probably built three cars to to get to that final recipe. It goes yeah, back to exactly. that to the to the chef. The chef has got all the ingredients in front of him, but what does he actually? How does he put those together to make the final meal? Yep. No, yeah. Yeah, without shadow, and it's same you know even like the new products, nine nine two GT threes. You know when they first came out, I kind of had a wry smile when I was sort of reading, uh, you know, on the uh, interweb about people telling you how they've got the perfect setup of, of what you should change on them. But we kind of were chuckling. We're like, well, have you done that then? <laughs> you, you haven't got a car. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of just sat back until we've got some, you know, technical hands-on us experience of how the cars work, what, what actually does need changing before sort of just trying to be the first out there. We'd get the best, you know, final product out there rather than being the first out there. Mm. I think a, a great example of that and just kind of what goes into the products uh, lies in, in the ducktail. I remember having a discussion with Darren and I said, I just, I love the form of, uh, and the appearance of the CSR ducktail. Um, mm. It's got real 997 sport classic vibes that you can put on, on the back of a, a 996. And actually, um, funnily enough, we had uh, our most recent fried eggs at Porsche Centre Bournemouth, where we had uh, the interior of the place was taken over by classics. And my 996 was next to a 997 Sport Classic. And it was phenomenal mm. to see the two ducktails side by side and their form and whatnot. But yeah. in any case, a couple of years ago, chatting to Darren about the ducktail, and I said, oh, I, I love it. I love it. I've got to have one. You know, what goes into it? And Darren said, well, wh- why, don't you, why don't you come along and go to the guys that, um, that, that make it, that manufacture it, and, and have a look for yourself? And, and that was phenomenal, Greg. And it, again, just how exhaustive that process is. Um, there is a video out on on the Nineworks TV YouTube channel if any listeners are interested in seeing it. But we we take a ducktail from start to finish and show that whole process. There are nine different stages of quality control, and it you know that, that go through the whole process. And if at stage nine there's an imperfection, you start again, and it's it's yeah. so exhaustive. And and but it creates just the most unbelievable, beautiful product. The question I often get is, you know, well, what about a, a carbon csr ductile versus a fiberglass one and you know a fiberglass one you can tell from a mile off you know yeah. the, the fit's not right it's a bit wonky it's a bit shabby yeah, um yeah. just look at the back of my some... car <laughs> <laughs> well, well you know but the, but the ducktail's kind of perfect really you know like yeah. just again like fit and finish and the precision of it i think that's like the the, the word that the precision of it is just like second to none compared to others uh, and that's another thing in you, know, you were saying right at the start about how things have changed over the last couple of years is that we've always done these things, but we've just been too busy in the, the day job to to go, hey, everyone, this is how we do them. And things like the Nineworks videos and, and tech uh, explanations, the amount of times people go, I've watched that. Blimey, why didn't you, well, you know, you should, you should have explained to me that, that, you know, like you're so into the, you know, the day job. Things like these Nineworks videos are brilliant because they give an unbiased opinion of, of what it's like, first of all, because, again, I'm sure myself, just like anyone else out there these days, you, you're starting to get a bit more cynical about videos and who's getting paid to do what here? Come on, you know, and, you know, what's the, uh, you know, what's the behind the scenes going on? So to have an impartial view of, of how it's made um, was really helpful um, and also it kind of, for us as a, as a business, it was it was kind of an eye opener of you know people like yourself, what's possible by by using video as well, which is something we've never 
never been really good at. So yeah, no, you know, without blowing hot air around, hats off to you to to do those kind of things because you know, nobody else has ever asked about it. Well, I appreciate that. I just think it's great as an enthusiast. People like to see that. It's mm. as simple as that, and they see what it, goes into it. So it adds tangible value, doesn't it, to the product because people understand how it actually uh, goes together, and mm. then they feel, oh, okay, there's value in this because it takes that much effort to be done. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, agreed. So CSR program, we're approaching forty builds now. Yes, yeah, and. What's kind of evolved with those is um, that as the value of the base cars has gone up from, I remember buying a 997 C2 for six seven fifty. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. It was a great car as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's sub 100,000 C2 manual coupe. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so the, whilst the, the donor value of the cars has now started to increase, uh, and also with you know the whole uh, electric change coming down the down uh, down the tube. No one really knows, you know, where the end of the, the petrol engine in a, in a Porsche will be, but there will be an end to it at some point. Um, but also the, the the sort of the changes of the the nine nine twos and you know whatever's going to come after the nine nine two have meant they're you know they're designed obviously to appeal to a wider selection of people, to therefore have to have more safety, uh, more comfort, and so there is a uh, you know a, a section of, of buyers that want a nine eleven. They want something naturally aspirated, three pedals, and and um, you know petite. The nine nine six and seven is a quite small car, relatively speaking. Um, and so these people obviously can't buy a brand new car anymore because that doesn't tick that box. Um, the very very you know long bonnet cars, as we all know, are exceptionally um, valuable and rightly so and again to restore one of those you double the value again to, to actually get into that and do it so it, it's actually looking like they're more they're better value for money than ever before and what we've sort of changed on this sort of second um, generation of the life cycle is that they are um, effectively now restored 996s and 7s because the value long term is in there in doing it and also it's the right thing for the car you know they start to see corrosion on those sorts of vehicles. So there's no point bolting on loads of lovely goodies to it if, if the shell itself is in a bit of a sorry state because you have to take it all back off and do all over again. So yeah. what we're seeing now is fully built cars where they're stripped down um, right back to bare metal, repainted new interiors, rebuilt engines, uh, and very much going down the sort of you know, the resto mod thing, which everyone's probably very familiar with. Would I be right in saying that we saw one of the first ones that had been had that full job done on it uh when we were up at the fried eggs thing yeah the csr evo was sitting in the showroom at the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was the first it. one that went down that um, yeah looked that fantastic. yeah and at the time you know <laughs> the, the the r&d cost along with the cost to build that car we could have at the time bought two GT3s <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of 996 yeah. value, which is, yeah, you kind of sit and go, ooh, that was a bold move. <laughs> yeah. um, but the car, the product was brilliant. And um, we only sold it uh, last year, actually, to a, a mutual sort of nine works and RPM te- technic client. Um, and he absolutely loves it. And he's had quite a few different Porsches over the years. Uh, and that paved the way for other ones. You know, there's been, I think, three other full builds built like that since. 
Um, and yeah, we tend to find that the general theme is that the, the, the clients building those cars have been through all of the modern era of cars yeah. up to, you know, some, some of the very expensive rare ones and have kind of gone, I want something my own. I want to build my own brand new 996 or 997. And obviously Porsche don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, but particularly as a 996 owner, what really resonates with me is you guys have um, indulged in these cars long before they came in vogue, you know, because the past yeah. few years, you know, they've, they really have ridden a crest, crest of a wave in terms of popularity. But way, way, way before that, you guys were rolling your sleeves up and getting stuck into these cars. You kind of, you believed in them long before the general public did, if you like. And, and that mm. certainly resonates with me. The kind of weak points of the engine and whatnot are kind of well-documented, how from from your guys point of view you know i think you even intimate on your website the engine out from the factory isn't infallible so how have you kind of dealt with those kind of weaknesses in taking the csr program forward at the same time um well i mean you know building an engine is building an engine um and you know there's it doesn't really matter sort of what manufacturer you buy or or what model of porsche you, you can have engine failures and I think when those cars were suffering their their issues with you know, bore scoring, uh, dejunking, uh, IMS failures, it was at right the start of the whole you know the forum world of you got a problem with a screw that was threaded. I'm telling the world, you know, it's that sort yeah. of thing. So part of me sometimes thinks um, there was a lot more spoken about it than ever before because of that. Um, because of the communication the channels were open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, the, and the reality is, you know, 964s had their engine issues, 3.2 Carreras had their engine issues. Um, but the buyers of the cars of those sorts of vehicles were maybe more tolerant to putting up with an engine build and going, well, do you know what? It needs to get done. It needs to get done. And, you know, I always say to people, all the market trends go in cycles. And we're getting back to that cycle now of the, the products age where people go yeah well it's a 996 it's you know it's 18 years old it's done 85,000 miles um you know I'm, I'm pragmatic it probably needs an engine rebuild um i'm happy to do it so rather than it being a problem people are actually looking at it as a opportunity which opportunity. sounds the, the biggest <laughs> spin anyone's ever put on spending 15 or 20 grand <laughs> that's exactly what i'm thinking about my 993 engine rebuild that's coming up at some point that's an opportunity exactly they go you know everyone knows their car better than anybody else and if you've done 15 20 50,000 whatever miles in the car and you've had it for a few years the prospect of having to spend the money is the downside but that is soon forgotten when you've got an engine which has got maybe you know 10 15 20 percent more power it feels razor sharp. You know, it's built with strength. It's hand built. It's a blueprinted engine. People just, you know, you long remember that rather than the builds. Um, yeah. And there's so many cool products out there now that you can, you know, you can build 3.7, 3.9s. You can just build it standard and strong. You, you've just got so many options open to you. Yeah, it's 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 cool. And as I say, you, you guys really have been the trailblazer for these cars for a long, long time. And I would argue were a, a, a lot to do with why they kind of had a turnaround in popularity. You know, um, to me, the CSR as a brand means um, emotion. I think kind of uh, most illustrated by that CSR Evo 
um, the the road test and red trip we did. And, and again, there's a video of it on YouTube. I mean, it blew my mind, that car, and it's probably the, the best 996 I've ever had the, the pleasure of piloting. Um, the one you drove last year? It was, was it two year? years, two ago. years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was that was the yeah. CSR Evo, the Merlin yeah. Merlin Purple car. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to have this as you know a complete love-in episode, but I really am kind of <laughs> evangelical about what, what RPM Technic does with the CSR kind of brand. Um, the kind of the crux of the video was, you know, this or a GT3, and it, that caused quite a bit of debate again in the comments on that video because. Um, some people, I think, really kind of get the the merit of it, but others are saying, "Well, for that, you'd I'd rather have a GT3." And and they look at residual values and stuff. I think a bit, possibly a bit like the, the Manti cars or or anything that's modified. You you have to have seat time to really grasp these things and to really connect with it. And I think when you mm. do that, as I did with the the CSR Evo, um, to me, a, a GT3 is so kind of emotionally out of the question, you know. Uh, yeah. have, how, how have you guys kind of fared in terms of getting that CSR um, philosophy across to people? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's usually actually quite a, a straightforward one um, done right at the beginning. You know, sales um, of any product is all about you know qualifying what you what you need, and if the first line of conversation is um, if I lose a single penny on this car, um, I'm going to be in trouble. Then yeah, don't buy a car, false personal. Because <laughs> that's usually a pretty terrible investment unless you buy something outrageous. But you know, if, if investment purely and simply is the number one driver on a car, we're probably the wrong business to be dealing with anyway, because we're about driving and enjoying them. But if that was it, then we'd say, yeah, get a GT3. You know, they're small numbers, race car for the road, Metzger, da 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 da. da. And yeah, in the history of time, they'll probably only go one way in price. However, if you're wanting something that's bespoke, that's built for you, you're going to keep it forever, um, and you want it totally refreshed, that's then a different conversation because, you know, a, an 18-year-old GT3, whilst it is a great investment, um, 21-year-old GT3 now, um, is a great investment, they don't come without the bills, you know, and they're yeah, not cheap yeah. cars have on the road. And it won't be long before, um, we were talking about the other day, we, we, we do a restoration on one of them because... Yeah, yeah. They've been used, they've been driven hard, the engines are rock solid, but people will just go, yeah, I've only got 20 it's years, I just fancy a refresh. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't come without its own bills. But yeah, it's usually at the, that beginning point of, you know, what are you going to do with the car? You know, financially, what, what's going to be the best option for you? Um, and we let the client choose. And again, people are far more market savvy than they've ever been before. They know if they build a CSR, they're not going to get that full investment back straight away. And, you know, there's no point in beating about the bush. You just address it right up front. And if that's a problem, then, you know, you, you choose your path accordingly. But, you know, what they're giving you is just like the Manti cars, is they're giving you something that's bespoke, that is special to you. And they're both Manti and the CSR. They're, they're built to be driven. They're not built to be sat on trickle charges. Yeah, <laughs> and fully refreshed as well. It's a real, yeah, mm. t- where yeah, exactly where you were saying. You, if you buy a GT3, it might be the same money, but it is going to need continual refreshing. Where the CSR is almost like a new, you know, fully refreshed new car, ready to rumble and and use. You go so, again. Yeah, yeah, mm. I can really see, see the difference between the two. That's well put. Yeah, I think it's uh, important as well to kind of just underline the fact that there's a difference between kind of purchasing some um, 
csr parts kind of off the shelf perhaps kind of what i've done versus like a, a genuine csr build which that is in which case where you get one of like it's a numbered production run essentially and right. that's where you've yeah. built 40 cars um you, you mentioned that there's obviously there's the snake bite as well as the csr evo as, as the gen 2 um csr cars what's kind of coming up what's what's next for csr gen 2 um, well, we had a, a tap last year just finish off, again, a full colour change, stripped down bare metal um, rebuild on the uh, on a 997C2, actually. Um, it didn't, didn't go with an S. It's, you know, I'm not using car for track days. It's it's about having something unique for me. So that one was uh, finished at the beginning of this year. It's been to quite a few shows. It's like a duck egg blue um, sort of look to it. Oh yeah, um, which yeah, look really cool looking car. Um, and at the moment, um, so Darren, my business partner, he had sort of heads up the the CSR division, and you know we probably still we're still getting sort of two or three inquiries a week on it. At the moment, we're tending to find more interest in um, the parts aspect that Lee was just referring to, where you know we've got preset suspension kits or lightweight clutch and flywheel assemblies or ducktails or wheels, etc. Um, and we saw that kind of fluctuate with with the whole sort of COVID thing because when building something like a CSR, it's all about touch, feel, seat time in the car. You know, come and see us. You know, seeing how they're put together, and obviously with the whole um, thing that happened over the last two years, it, you know, for a big chunk of that two years, you, you couldn't you couldn't just rock up here and we could just show you around. And yeah. so that sort of that tailed it off a little bit, and that's where the the Manto stuff then sort of took up that that mantle because you know the, as we said earlier the, the the marketing that they're done in terms of lap times quality owned by porsche you could buy that stuff blind because you'd go well okay it's porsche approved um it's i've got a gt3 rs i can send the car there get it fitted and start using it on track so um so yeah i'm sure we'll probably see more people start to get into the uh, the second generation of the full builds but just like when we first started the um, the program ten years ago, it'll be a slow burn until people kind of see more of them, and then you know, once someone three, four, five people have done it, it gives another ten people more confidence that actually, oh yeah, that could be a good idea, and it snowballs from there. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Well, I think the message from from enthusiasts is absolutely keep keep going, keep doing what you're doing. It's it's great to have um, an outlet to make these cars even better. And as I say, they are on a crest of a wave of popularity, but mm. the potential of those cars, as as you well know, is massive. So, um, yep, keep at it. And, and likewise with the Manti stuff, we look forward to to seeing more kind of evolution of that. And I think it really is yeah. just a marker of the the awesome stuff that you guys have got going on, um, kind of under your special projects umbrella as well. That's again totally removed from the sales and service side. It's it's quite a, a combative business. Yeah, I mean, we sometimes get uh, uh, clients pop in to you know see what we're building for them, and then you know we give them a little tour. And I mean, at the moment we've got I think two nine five nines and two Carrera GTs in the project department having uh, works done on them. Uh, which you know, even for us, you, you do get sometimes a little bit. Um, uh, you know, you overlook what they are and then you hang, <laughs> hang on. They got like some of the Porsche, you know, greats sat here. And you, so I sometimes just have a, yeah, you know, I sometimes have a copy in there and just have a look because you know, <laughs> sometimes you have to go, you have to go to a museum to see some of this stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just, just spend all night in there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go home. <laughs> I just think. 
<laughs> oh yes we're doing all right <laughs> yeah yeah with a few beers um but, um we just got a commission to build another mantai car which will be actually the the, the the huge box just arrived from germany this morning um so that's going to be built so you'll see us uh, on, on track next year with probably all, we've done six of them now so or that will be the sixth so uh yeah, I mean, all the guys that own them, um, if ever you're on a track day and you bump into one, I'm sure they'll they'll tell you all about it. And uh, if you're really nice, they'll let you have a pack flat. <laughs> no, we, we'll hold you to that and hold them to that as well if they're listening. <laughs> well, Lee, you've got to come on a track day with us, I'm, I'm so excited for that, to be honest. Uh, Darren and I have spoken about this by WhatsApp. And um, yeah, I would absolutely love to do that love to do Very that welcome. um it's it's definitely kind of well as you said nearly 20 track days this year so it's definitely mm. kind of something that you guys are kind of getting more and more um immersed with i would say that they're, they're addictive that's their kind of the, the best and worst of a track day really is how addictive they are yeah it's the cross we shall bear but you know we'll, we'll, start <laughs> <with it. laughs> well we, we'll absolutely get involved with that we look forward to it um in the meantime greg thank you so much for chatting to, to us on nine words radio because it's just great to have such an insight into what's going on as we said at the top there's all sorts going on likewise yeah no thank you for having me and uh hopefully that was you know of interest to, to your listeners Wonderful. absolutely without a doubt yeah okay well best of luck with it we'll touch base again soon and, and greg daly thank you very much for your time amazing so that was the story of rpm technic manti as well and csr in there yeah lots of good good stuff in there yeah. interesting about manti yes yeah how, could- yeah how they've how they've managed to culture that relationship you know with them as well uh, well done rpm yeah absolutely we really really enjoyed that i'm sure we'll have rpm rpm on the pod again next year there's um there's some pretty cool link ups going on there and some pretty cool stories that i know the guys have got to tell so we'll um we'd be delighted to have them back on so excellent um yeah so before we go there's just a small bit of news um you may remember uh, previously with uh, via road to redline we had on uh, vashek polak jr oh, yeah. Uh, to tell the story oh, of that Vashek man could talk. Black. It was brilliant, wasn't it? If, oh, um, man. <laughs> we should, maybe we should get him back on again. It's the ultimate storyteller, I think. Wow, he was. Absolutely. You couldn't get a word in edgeways. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They, those guys have been in touch off the back of that and said that their uh, online shop is now open, vashekpolakcollection.com. Um, it's uh, how to spell Vashek is V-A-S-E-K-P-O-L-A-K. Uh, collection.com slash shop have a look on there there's some awesome awesome old school uh pictures on there um as well as some cool memorabilia bits so if you're yeah, into i've just seen the key Polak, ring i want that key ring yeah it's cool i quite it's like really it. cool i like the number plates around or the license plates around but obviously that's yeah. for us spec only with, with yeah. those they won't quite fit <laughs> won't fight, uh, fit uk spec um <laughs> but yeah super cool so go, go and take a look at that awesome cool any other news i don't think i've got anything no, I don't think so. A bit has fallen off my 996. So that's good. Um, well, that's, that's the regular. The, the gift that keeps on giving. It really is. <laughs> I was cleaning out the leaves from the front of the car, which I suppose many um, Porsche owners do at this time of year. Keep all the gunk out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, found like the bottom of the uh, condenser just chilling. So <laughs> <laughs> it really oh, is the brilliant. gift that keeps on giving. So that's going up to right tune next week. Um, to get it fixed. Yeah. Your, your 993, is that off the road now? Not yet. Not yet. Not quite yet. Um, Very good. I'm a bashing the credit card though, buying lots of parts. 
Nice. So yeah, uh, ready in ready for rebuild. So got, yeah, find all sorts of bits and bobs for yeah. my suspension rebuild. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So we've got two more episodes. Then we've got our Christmas break for a couple of weeks, and uh, then we shall begin our plans for 2022 uh, apace. Excellent. Yeah, look forward to it. Look forward to sharing much more information on that with people listening at home very soon. In the meantime, thank you for listening to Nine Radio. Yes, thank you. And we'll catch you soon. See you soon. This episode was brought to you by our very kind Patreons. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to join them in supporting us, you can do so at www.patreon.com backslash Nineworks Radio. 